Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, hello, and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 90 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. On SB Nation's Bucks Dugout, my name is Nathan Hirsch, and I'm joined, as always, by Jake Slobodnik. Jake, what's going on? Nothing much, man. This has been a uh, pretty busy week at work, so I've just been keeping my, uh, you know, keeping things locked on there. Lots of high school basketball to broadcast. Um, really, just a lot of things going on at work. Uh, what's going on? Not too much. Yeah, I know. The high school basketball is pretty wild this time of year. Um, but, yeah, same thing, just working over here, ready to talk some buckos. Um, not a ton of Pirates news since the last time we talked, but I guess we can uh, just first start with the Zach Thompson. Zach Thompson was DFA'd last week, and it ended up that he was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays for outfielder Chavez Young. And looking at Young, 25 years old, has not reached the major leagues yet. Kind of a defense speed guy, has a strong arm, not the greatest at hitting. In AAA last season with Toronto, 248 plate appearances, hit 234, 331, 350 slugging. So gets on base. Uh, he could walk a fair amount, but honestly, this move just kind of seems like a move for outfield depth in the organization. I don't know uh, if you had any thoughts on that, Jake. Um, well, first, just got to say so long to Zach Thompson. I know I said it last week, but just want to highlight once again, just an all-around great guy. Toronto got a uh, really, really kind soul. Um, it sucks he couldn't pan out with Pittsburgh, but uh, really about the trade, um, I think Jim Rosati was the one that put it uh, best. You know, we got something. You can't really hate it. can't really love it. Um it was a DFA candidate. If we didn't trade any or for anything, he probably would have just been released outright. So um, in a way, like you said, we got a little bit of outfield depth in as compensation, which is never a bad thing. Obviously his numbers aren't the greatest, um, but he's, he's tagged as probably one of the best arms that came out of the blue Jays uh, minor league system. Um, defensively at least. And he can swipe bases, which, isn't a terrible thing. I guess he could be like a diet Terrence Gore if needed. I don't know if that's appropriate comparison, but I see similarities there. Um, really, I have no feelings about this one. I'm indifferent. I'm just glad we got some compensation for a guy who was, at least for most of the year, uh, mainstay in the road. Yeah, we'll see what happens if uh, Young gets a chance. But like you said, not really much of an opinion on the trade itself, but I guess it is nice that the Pirates were – able to get something Uh, moving on. We're recording this on Thursday. John Heyman of the New York post put out a pretty interesting article today regarding uh, the whole Brian Reynolds saga. Jake, we kind of joked about it earlier that we didn't really want to talk about Reynolds that much on this podcast, just because, you know, it pretty much is what it is at this point. We'll see what happens if he is or isn't traded. But there was an article today. Um, it was probably a few weeks ago that it was leaked that the Pirates offered north of $75 million for an extension over six years. Well, uh, Heyman confirmed today that the offer was six years for a whomping at 76 million dollars so just barely north of that 75 dollar mark um obviously it was reported that the pirates and reynolds were about 50 million dollars apart in negotiations but it's just funny where we are right now where the pirates supposedly want a juan soto-esque return for reynolds i don't i don't know how much i buy that but the fact that they're saying that while also not wanting to give him at least like a hundred million dollars 
in an extension is pretty hilarious. And um, I am happy that the Pirates are sticking to their guns in regards to not getting, you know, not great value for Reynolds in a potential trade, but also the extension offer is just, it's pretty laughable considering the type of player Reynolds is Uh, all-star type player, maybe not a superstar, maybe not like the best player on a championship type team, but a really, really good player. Six years for 76 million is not going to get it done. And one final note, uh, Jason Mackey was on the PM team today on the fan and he said, quote, based on what I'm here, I put it at below 50% that Brian Reynolds is traded before opening day. So, Jake, I don't know. What are your thoughts on on the, the latest chapter of the Brian Reynolds trade saga? Well, I'm just going to say what I told you off the, you know, off air. And that is this. That was embarrassing. I mean, I, I don't get the. First of all, I don't understand how people can be in a room and determine that, hey, for our best player on this team, granted, there's not many great players, but for our best player, we can only offer him an AAV of about $12.5 million per year. I don't understand how a whole room of people can come together and say, you know what, I think that's reasonable, especially for all the things he's done. He's earned that $12.5 million. I'm with you. I think he they, they could have given him probably upwards of a hundred mil um, in total. But I just, I don't understand. It's so embarrassing. It makes us look even worse than we are. Like we're not willing to pay even a guy like Brian Reynolds, the money, money, I would say he's due. And I, I just, I'm just baffled. Like I can't find the words to really put how embarrassed I am for Brian Reynolds, for the pirates. It's just, it makes no sense, especially when you see all of these like really good players get a decent chunk of change. And I'm not, I'm not excluding, or I'm not including Aaron Judge and the like because those are on a different level. But like a guy like Brian Reynolds, who, like you said, maybe not like the best player on a maybe a championship bound team, um, but a really good player overall. And here's the thing: if Ben Charrington is serious, that the Pirates want to keep Reynolds, that he's a part of their future, whether you know that he's just blowing smoke or not. I find it weird that they're not even trying to get even closer to maybe the 50 mil that they're separated from. Cause yeah, you know, that's what the off season is for is negotiating. And it seems like there's just not a lot of negotiating going on. It seems like a lot of here's a number value. One side laughs and they go back to work and try to do this again. It's there's no real negotiating. And I mean, for Reynolds, they're really, he really doesn't have much room to negotiate because he's been stuck on a terrible franchise for the past couple of years and really, he's just wasting his ability at this point. Not a dig on him, but it's the fact that, you know, he is on the Pirates. They aren't really committed to winning at this point, And yet he's just going to go out there and still excel. Like, And if, if you don't want to trade him, unless there is an absolute premier haul that you would get in return, I don't see why you wouldn't pay the man. And I know we talked about this. I think it was our last episode that we did. Um, obviously, you don't want to pay Reynolds well into his 30s you know, a pretty handsome paycheck. I get that because, you know, regression could happen at any time. But at this point, if he is your star center fielder, people love him. And the fact that there are a lot of teams interested in him should signify that he is a really good player. So you have something special on your hands. Like I just, and I think it sort of maybe gives a little bit more definition to how bad the Andrew McCutcheon trade was. Cause we already got rid of Kyle Crick. And if we don't pay Brian Reynolds, we, there is no plan for him, and you know we're not willing to trade him. Like, what what are we doing? I, I just don't understand. I'm very confused at what the Pirates are trying to do with Brian Reynolds at this point. I don't know if they are dangling the metaphoric worm with all that service time that he's accrued, but or not service time that he's accrued, but like the years of control is what I'm trying to say. If that's their main price tag, that's just that's awful. Like to me, they need to come to terms. They just pay the 50 mil. Like how it's not like he's asking for 300 mil. Like this is very manageable, especially for the pirates sake, but it's confusing to me that they're not even trying to pull the trigger on this and keep Brian Reynolds happy. The, to me, Nathan, the, the moment that they should have pulled the trigger on that 50 mil is after Reynolds asked for that trade. Like they should have 
went to terms with him, especially if they claim that he is as valuable as they say he is. But the fact that there is no progression at all, they don't even have like a, a solidified plan for it. it it's absolutely mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't say that I'm baffled by this because this is just what the pirates do, but yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of time to trade Reynolds and get value for him. They have three years to do it. So I wouldn't say the McCutcheon trade is complete bust until we see what happens with Reynolds. But I agree with you 100%. I mean, six years, 120 million. I would, I would be, I would sign up for that, you know, yesterday. I feel like that is a pretty fair deal on both ends. But as we know, Brian Hayes is the current biggest contract in Pirates history at eight years for 70 million. So that in itself is pathetic and funny, but it just is what it is. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. The, the Pirates really aren't in a super rush to trade Reynolds and, you know, we can harp around it, harp on it all we want about what they shouldn't or shouldn't should or shouldn't do. But I, I don't know. I guess we just have to wait and see. I feel like the funniest part about the news today is that it's just on one hand, the pirates don't want to pay Brian Reynolds like a superstar, but on the other hand, they want to trade him as if he's a super duper star. So it's just, you know, two clashing ideas there that doesn't really make sense. And it's just another case of the pirates kind of, you know, fumbling a situation I guess we'll see what happens, though. I, I mean, I would be excited if the Pirates just went into the season still having Brian Reynolds, but I guess we'll see. Um, and obviously, too, as the trade market heats up in season around the trade deadline, if the Pirates completely suck next year, I guess we'll see if um, they decide to maybe trade him then because he'll still have immense value at that point, too. By the trade deadline next year, he'll still have two and a half years of service control and uh, the Pirates could still get a pretty large haul, especially, too, if Reynolds is awesome in 2023. But I guess we'll see. We'll see if they try to trade him now. We'll see when they try to trade him. We'll see very low chance if they try to extend him still. I think that bridge has kind of been burned at this point. But who knows? Um, you know, anything can happen. Maybe not with the Pirates. Maybe not with spending money. But who knows? All right, moving on. The... Uh, the, the main theme of this podcast, I guess, today is that each of us prepared five questions blindly to ask each other in regards to the Pirates. Ten burning questions, five each. We don't know what we're going to ask each other, so we're each going to answer just kind of, you know, blindly. And uh, it's pretty much regard to anything Pirates. I came up with the idea. I told you anything Pirates related, come up with five questions we will ask each other. So Jake, I'll let you start with your first question. What do you got for me? 10 burning pirates questions. All right. I guess we'll start off hot here and talk a little key. Brian Hayes. Um, my big question to you. So say he replicates 2022 at the plate, maybe regresses a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm really centering it around this last year. He slashed 244, 314, 659, only seven homers and 41 RBIs. My question to you, will 2023 be kind to keep Brian Hayes? Wow, that that's funny because I had a similar question. Uh, not quite as eloquently as you put it. I pretty much said, will Brian Hayes slug 400 in 2023, which kind of covers the same thing. <laughs> but, um, man, I don't know. I wouldn't say this is a make-or-break season for Brian Hayes, but I will say – we're really going to figure out what Cabrian Hayes is all about in 2023. He got his deal. He got his money um, with the glove. He's awesome. As we know, his glove raises his floor immensely. Even if he doesn't hit a lick, you look at it 2022, he had an F4 of 3.0, which is really good. And his WRC plus hitting wise, not great 88. So regardless, he will be a productive player just based on defensive loan. But if he wants to become a bona fide star in Major League Baseball, he has to be at least an average hitter, at least, you know, give me 15 home runs. Raise that slugging to 400. If he could slash, you know, we'll say 260, 330, 400, he might be an all-star. So, 
I'm going to be optimistic. Injuries have really held Hayes back over the past two seasons. It seems like kind of nagging. You could play through it injuries. I think he needs to stay healthy. If he could stay healthy and we don't want him to be the 2020 God version of himself, but I don't know. Health is the key. I think he could be a lot better in 2023. So yeah, I'll say yes. I think Hayes can improve and I think he'll have a really nice season, but that's just me being an optimist and a Cabrian Hayes fan. But what do you think? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic too about this. I mean, we kind of saw, I, I know this is kind of a bad example, but Rodolfo Castro, I think kind of picked it up toward the end of the year last year with consistent work. And if key can stay healthy, I feel like he can be a really, really solid contact hitter. Um, I, he's got the power, but I feel like whenever he tries to put too much emphasis on his power, that's when he starts to struggle. And I think once he started just hitting for contact, that's when things started looking really good for him. And honestly, I think he could be, comparable to 2006's Freddie Sanchez, maybe even better if he just focuses on being contact hitter. I know I'm just a talking head, may not know exactly what's going through his head, but I just feel like he does. if he doesn't try to do too much at the plate and he's just disciplined and hits for contact, I think he'll be fine. Um, I'm optimistic like you. I think 2023 will be a lot kinder to his bat, and I think he'll be able to pick it up a little bit. But yeah, staying healthy is the biggest, no pun intended, key for him this yeah, I agree. And uh, just pull the ball a little bit, yeah. Brian Hayes. You don't have to go oppo every single time. I mean, it's crazy. I'm looking at his percentages right now. He pulled the ball 27% in 2022. That's more than he ever has in the major leagues. Um, opposite field, 32%. Center of the field, about 41%. Just pull the ball a little more. I know left field is huge at PNC Park, but just gap some doubles and – just give me 15 home runs, 30 doubles. I would be happy. But yeah, I think that he will be able to improve at least a little bit in 2023. All right. My first question to you, this is a pretty short term question, but are the pirates done adding this off season? What do you think? I think they are. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we look at some of the additions or well, all of the additions that Ben Charrington made, um, he got two, maybe three first basemen if you consider Connor Joe. Uh, we got some reserves for the outfield. We got some pitching help. He signed that left-handed starting pitcher that he wanted. Granted, it wasn't to a multi-year deal, but I- I'm looking at this roster, and sure, you could argue that there are holes in it, but I, I think right now, I think he's done adding pieces. Um, I-, I feel like Rich Hill was probably the last one to fall, or the last signing that he could have made. I mean, you look at it, you got the first baseman covered um, with G-Man Choi, Connor Joe, God forbid, Miguel Andujar if needed. DH is taken care of again with Choi, Carlos Santana, um, possibly Joe Andujar, maybe even a guy like Jack Sawinski if you're at home. Um, Pitching-wise, we're kind of deep there. We added some pieces, some of them not the greatest. I do think that, you know, I think we have enough to maybe go out, you know, maybe form a little bit of a, a bouncing off point. So yeah, I, I, it would be great if he maybe added another big name, especially McCutcheon. I would love a reunion, but, and, but I've also been saying that tune for the past three years. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Charrington's done. I think he's just going to try to work with what he has. Yeah, I agree. Um, unless Reynolds is traded, maybe they add another outfielder, but like you, my pipe dream is to see Andrew McCutcheon added to this roster. But as of today, I think the roster is what it is heading into 2023. And I guess at the beginning of the off season, if you told me this is all what the pirates would have done this off season, I, I would say, okay, that's something. Uh, at least they made some moves looking back at the past two off seasons. It was extremely minimal. So I, I, I would say overall, I would give this off maybe like a B minus type grade just based on, you know, how the money was allocated, but I'm, I'm all right with it. And yeah, I agree. I think they're done. Yeah. And I I think he did a good job, not a great job. Like you said, B minus maybe at allocating that money in the off season, bringing in some names. He's at least trying to mix it up a little bit where, and he got rid of some of his first time acquisitions like Wilson and Thompson. So he's making strides. It's all about, you know, we can't really tell how good this is until 
we see them on the. Right. All right. What's your next question? Okay. So this was actually a name that I kind of forgot about, uh, but just doing some research at work today, looking over the 40 man roster. Um, we talk about some of the pieces that Charrington has brought into the outfield, but one name I think we all kind of forgot about was Kanan Smith and Jigba after he got hurt this past season, kept him out of the year. Um, would you bring him back up to the MLB to start the season and give him a heavy look in the outfield once he's healthy? Or would you send him down to AAA and keep him down there until they absolutely. That's a good question. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the status of his health is, but assuming that he is ready once the season starts, I would probably have him start in AAA. And you look at it, he's a left-handed bat, so I would have him behind, say, Jack Sawinski on the depth chart. Um, looking at other corner outfielders, I like when it comes to, say, Cal Mitchell – Maybe I'd give Smith and Jigba a look over someone like Cal Mitchell. I do think he will be called up at some point in the season. Um, you know, his his tools suggest that he's a guy that could get on base, maybe be like a doubles-type hitter, and we'll see. But I wouldn't have him start the year in the majors, but I, I do – I would put him on a short list of guys that I would call – I would have no hesitation calling up when needed. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm kind of with you there. I mean, he's coming back from injury. You don't want to rush him back and it's not like he's this proven star. Or he's going to be this proven star when he comes back. So no need to rush him. I mean, the outfield depth is pretty deep right now and only bring him up. I would say I would like to see him more instead of Cal Mitchell, unless Mitchell just absolutely goes on a tear this season. But um, yeah, I wouldn't rush him back, especially if he's part of the long-term pot plan for the, yeah, I agree. All right, my next question here is a pretty simple question, and you could answer this as of right now. Will the Pirates win at least 70 games in 2023? Now, that's a one, that's one you have to think of. Um, wow. Optimistic. We started optimistic. I'm going to continue the trend. I'm going to say yes. Um, I feel like they're going to get really hot in the first half of the season, trade away all their talent, and then maybe go a little bit of a cold streak to end the year. But I still think it's going to that first half tear is going to be enough to get them around the 70 win range. Um, but it's not going to be like closer to 80. They're going to be 70, 71, 72. Yeah, that's fair. And I think I agree with you. The beginning of the season will be key with the Pirates in terms of how many games they win this season. If they start out cold, then just it's a wrap because they will be sellers and they will try to get some lottery tickets for some of the players that they have signed this off season, especially if they're bad, if they're good, if they're say around 500 in the beginning of June or say middle of May, perhaps they try a little more, let the, the veterans stay with the team and, who knows? The playoff field is obviously expanded a little bit, um, as we saw last season. I'm not going to be crazy here and say the Pirates are contenders, but there's been crazier things. You know, we saw what the Baltimore Orioles did last season. Perhaps the Pirates could be frisky enough to stay around in the hunt a little bit. Uh, this is best case scenario, but 70 wins, I'll give it to them. I think that they they should win around that mark, so I'll say yes. I will add to that point, they need their top players to be absolutely on par to start the season. Like you said, if they start off cold, then just call it a season and tank for the, I guess, better odds in the lottery, in the draft lottery. Um, but if we meet, meet that goal of 70 wins, here's what needs to happen, in my opinion. We already talked about Key Brian Hayes being more consistent on offense. That is true. O'Neill Cruz needs to hit well over 250 and at least 35 home runs this season. Rodolfo Castro needs to stay consistent at the plate. Um, Outfield-wise, Brian Reynolds needs to be happy because I don't see him playing well if he's not happy. And we already know he's not already happy. And I, I don't know. I just feel like he's not going to be mentally there. So I feel like he needs to keep things happy. Jack Sawinski needs to... 
not only be a little bit more even both on the road and at home, but he's got to cut down the strikeouts because that's really what killed them last year. Um, and I think the catcher position, um, they need to see Andy up sooner rather than later. I know he's going to be super tuned to hell and back, but Austin Hedges is not going to provide much from the bottom of the lineup and at the catcher position. So my thing is if, if they, if those key players note, they're all the young stars, pretty much. If they can stay consistent and hot throughout the first half of the season and not, I guess, give us a glimpse back to last year, I think we're in a much favorable, much more favorable spot to finish with 70 wins or maybe even a couple above that. But again, that all needs to happen for them to get. That's just so funny that we're over here trying to see how the Pirates could win 70 games as if that matters a little bit. But that's just where we are. All right. right. What, what do you have for your third question? Okay. Um, hmm. I'm debating between two, but I'll save the one for later. Um, we look at the bullpen. We see some of the names that are at least tentatively being brought back. And two stick out to me, and I want to know, when do we see the end of, this, of these two guys? And the names are Dwayne Underwood Jr. and Chase D. So you're asking how long do they last on the Pirates roster? Right. Either if they have a short leash to start the year, because DeYoung, for what it's worth, according to the numbers, had a decent season last year. Dwayne Underwood, for some reason, is like he has a shrine built in Ben Sherrington's bedroom for some goddamn reason. Um, But like, do they have a short leash? Do you think like clearly I don't think they're part of the future, but do they have a short leash? Do you think they're going to get another full season? That's. Yeah, I guess looking at the hierarchy of the Pirates' bullpen as it's currently constructed, you got David Bednar obviously closing. We'll see what Yeri De Los Santos can bring uh, after an injury shortened 2022. Colin Holderman, I mean, he was the main trade chip in, well, he was the only trade chip, I believe, in the Vogelbach trade. So they'll get a nice extended look at him. Will Crow obviously had a decent year last year. Arlen Garcia was added. Jose Hernandez, the roll five pickup. Dari Moreta, they traded for him. There's some names here. Um, honestly, I think I think it's just going to be a competition. Uh, I could see, you know, a world where guys like DeYoung and Underwood are, aren't with the team by the end of April. But I could also see a world where they last the entire season because some of these other guys added just aren't very good. So hot take, I think Underwood I think Underwood lasts the entire season with the Pirates. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that bothers you. I think he does. And uh, I'll say Chase DeYoung, he was a bit lucky last season. So I think he'll be – I'm not sure what his option status is, but he'll he'll be back in AAA in – 2023 you say underwood bothers me but really both of them do they just they're so bad like they don't bring anything to the table and like you said the young got lucky and i know it's better to be lucky than good but man jace de young is just not a good pitcher um clear I, I something tells me that this is the final opportunity for them to maybe be a trade chip in some way because you got to look ahead to I, i'm gonna say july at least when things change, we're going to see probably Colin Selby up. We're going to see Yeri up. Um, something tells me that Jose Hernandez is actually going to have a lot better of a season than many people tab him to have. And then we're also going to have guys, like you said, Will Crow is going to be a mainstay probably unless he just absolutely falls off and has a hangover from this past season. But you look ahead, and if things are going to change in the later part of the season, uh, there really isn't room for these two. Um, you could even make an argument that there's not even room for guys like Robert Stevenson or maybe even Colin Holderman, if he's not that good. But um, I mean, you also look down at AAA and with Yeri coming back, like there's just so much depth that you can't see Dwayne Underwood and Chase DeYoung lasting another full season with the Pirates. DeYoung, maybe, but that's a very, very thin maybe. I, I don't think they're going to be here until, you know, October when the season ends. I, I think if... You know, it, it, July 31st is going to be that selling point for them. And it's either going to be, look, you're either going to be traded or you're going to be cut. There's no way around it. 
So, I, I mean, I hope you enjoy your time with the Pirates, but, I, I mean, it ends here in 20. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to blow your mind right here a little bit with Dwayne Underwood Jr. I, I will say Dwayne Underwood Jr. is not good as a setup relief pitcher. I do not want him as my seventh inning or eighth inning guy. I guess roles in the bullpen are kind of, it's kind of a thing of the past in general, but if Dwayne Underwood is your second or third best relief pitcher, your bullpen is probably not in great shape. That said, I'm looking at his numbers right now. I mean, last season, 57 and one third innings pitched. The ERA was at 4.40, which isn't awesome, isn't terrible. XERA 411, same thing, isn't awesome, isn't terrible. His FIP was 292, and his XFIP was 391. And the thing that I'm looking at right here that kind of blows my mind, Dwayne Underwood Jr. was fifth on the Pirates in F4 among pitchers, and that's starters, relievers, whatever. The only ones... Ahead of him were Quintana, who was traded, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, and David Bednar. Dwayne Underwood Jr. last season, according to Fangraphs, was better than guys like Rowanzi Contreras, Chris Stratton when he was with the team, Zach Thompson, um, Will Crow, Bryce Wilson, Dylan Peter, like all of them. And I think he'll definitely have an extended look in 2023 and you know if he's a middle middle reliever i'm fine with it but yeah as a as a key point part of your bullpen i i don't love that at all if ben Sherrington is basing the usage of Dwayne underwood jr and his value based on f4 alone then he needs fired immediately i i can't take that like you're you're putting him with the worst kind of company you're saying he's better than uh, guys like uh, Dylan Peters, Bryce Wilson, Zach Thompson. You notice a theme there? They all were, for lack of a better term, ass. They were terrible. Like It's like putting whipped cream on a piece of shit. It's not going to work. It's still a piece of shit. I mean, I, I agree with you. Under was not great, but he was better than a lot of the pitchers on this roster last year. So I think he'll at least have a chance. Oh, yeah, he's going to have a chance, but like, Saying he's the fifth best player, arguably, on a 100-loss team, there's not much valor behind that. But, I mean, hey, power to him. Whatever helps him sleep better at night, I guess. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world here, you hope that one of these other people can emerge and, and be kind of the second or third. The, the Pirates desperately need a second and third best reliever on this team and it can't be Underwood. But if he's your fifth guy out of the bullpen, I'm fine with it. So that's just where I'm at. And I think the Pirates have those type of like two, three guys, and I think it's in their system. There's no doubt that they have a plethora of decent pitchers that could be that seventh, eighth, maybe even a fringe sixth guy if they need to go there, a sixth inning guy, that is. But, yeah, I mean, Underwood better be your like next-to-last option in that bullpen. <laughs> All right, that kind of runs into my next question, which I'll ask you is, who will be the Pirates' best pitcher in 2023? It could be a reliever. It could be a starter. Who do you think will just be the best, simply? Wow, okay. Um, Well, it's tied for me between a couple of people, and those people are Mitch Keller, Rowansi Contreras, um... David Bednar, I guess, and maybe Luis Ortiz if he's used right. I mean, we all know Keller and Rowansi can bring to the table. Keller was <laughs> stellar last year. Um, and I think if he kind of carries that over into this year, he'll be just as dominant. He could be a rep, like a Pirates all-star if he just absolutely slashes. Rowansi, I mean, come on. The guy is pretty much next-level tier. Luis Ortiz showed some brilliance toward the end of the year. And David Bednar is David Bednar. He's a hometown guy. A lot of people love him. And he pitched really well last year until his arm pretty much turned into a noodle thanks to Derek Shelton. So really, it's a four-way tie for who I think is going to be the best pitcher for the Pirates this year. But I think that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I agree. And in a perfect world, I would hope that Rowanzi can take that next step into being maybe not quite an ace, 
a really solid number two type starter that, you know, he builds upon what he did last year. But right now I'll have, I have to say, I think Rich Hill will be the Pirates best pitcher on the team until he is inevitably dealt at the trade deadline. You look at the history of lefties on the Pirates over the two years with Tyler Anderson and Jose Quintana. Rich Hill, I get it. He's 43. He's really old. But I think with the Pirates, he'll click. And in this division with not really a ton of high-powered offenses, I guess the Cardinals, like their lineup is pretty solid. But I think Rich Hill is going to be able to slice and dice through a lot of these lineups. And I think he could have an ERA in the low threes by July. And we'll see what the pirates choose to do with him. But I think he's going to be the best guy on this team. As long as he's with the team. I think it's reasonable, but uh, yeah, that (laughs) your prediction of rich Hill kind of ran into my next question. So um, if you don't mind. Yeah. So Every year, the Pirates like to have a theme of where they trade all the people they sign at the trade deadline. So aside from Rich Hill, which you've touched on already, my next question to you is, who's going to be traded by or in? Okay, Rich Hill is (laughs) definitely one of them. Um, Looking at the bullpen, maybe this is the year Bednar gets traded and his value is at its highest. He's definitely a possibility. Um. I mean, basically anyone with a one-year deal, so that includes Hedges, Santana, maybe Choi. Um, I'll say Santana for sure. If he's if he's hitting pretty well, the Mariners traded for him last year because he was able to add some veteran leadership to a young and up-and-coming playoff team. In a perfect world, it's none of them, and the Pirates contend, but we'll see. But uh, I'll go with Santana as the main one and probably Rich Hill. In a perfect world, Vince Velasquez pitches well enough to get traded. But, uh, yeah, those are my answers. I'll agree with actually three of those. That's Hill, Santana, and Vince. Um, Velasquez, I just think, is here as a reclamation project. There's no real plan for him, I'd say. So if we're, if push comes to shove, he just gets traded for a lottery ticket prospect, not even like top 200. It's just some no name that nobody really knows. He'll probably get DFA, then traded. Kind of like a Zach Thompson deal, in my opinion. He'll net somebody who nobody's heard of, but it's just a body for depth. Um, Rich Hill, obviously, you know, he's 43. Like he's going to be 43 in the season. Like you said, I feel like he's here to mentor these young players. Then he's going to, you know, probably click with them pitch well, then get shipped off, probably won't net much of a return just off age alone, but you never know. I'm not really on the train that um, David Bednar I don't foresee that happening. I feel like his his sort of momentum in Pittsburgh is just way too high at this point to get rid of him. Um, and and I, Again, I think it's just maybe something where I can't accept that the hometown kid will get traded. So I, I just don't believe it. But I'm definitely all for Santana. I feel like once we signed him, everybody kind of knew that's our trade bait. That's what's going to happen this year. He'll be the one traded. Um, Rich Hill as well. Um, and I guess if I had to pick one more, I feel like I feel like some team's going to be desperate enough to go after like maybe one of our young outfielders. I feel like. Hmm. Looking at the 40 man, I feel like Travis Swaggart is going to be dealt in July. I don't know if he's going to be packaged at some point, but uh, I, I definitely, there is no plan for him. Clearly he was brought up last year, played like one game, sat the bench for four, not even considered for this year, probably. So um, aside from those three, I'm going to say um, Travis Swaggart is dealt. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and yeah, kind of like you mentioned, the Pirates outfield is a little crowded at the moment with fringy prospect, not prospect types. And as we saw last year's Jack Sawinski kind of uh, he kind of took the opportunity best among those guys. And it looks like he should be the opening day left fielder or right fielder. I'm not sure, but he kind of 
he kind of, uh, you know, did the best among the guys like Cannon Smith and Jigba, who was obviously hurt, and Cal Mitchell and uh, Swaggerty, like you mentioned. So I could see that. And I would say, too, it goes without saying that Brian Reynolds probably will be traded this season if he's not traded this offseason, but we've spent enough time on that. All right, my next question. We can't have a podcast without an O'Neill Cruz question because he's just the most fun part about this team. And I'm setting you an over-under of 50 and a half home runs plus steals, not just home runs. Will O'Neill Cruz exceed 50 and a half home runs plus steals in 2020? I absolutely think so. I mean, you look at the speed, you look at the power. If he can clean up his contact a little bit, which, I mean, it seems like just based off Dominican Winter League play, uh, I think he's cleaning that up pretty, pretty well. I think it's a rather easy feat for O'Neill Cruz to achieve that. And um, I don't know. We just saw a lot of a lot of foreshadowing, I think, toward the end of last year, just where his ability could be if he just makes some solid contact. I mean, the ball leaves the park rather quickly anytime it's real contact and lifts it enough. But just watching his speed around the bases, he runs like a deer or a gazelle. You know, like the guy's got blinding speed, something you don't see much of anymore. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to – argue at all i think that is very very achievable by o'neill cruz yeah and i'll say too in about a half season's worth of games and at bats a little over a half cruz finished the year with 17 home runs and 10 stolen bases so add that together 27 times two that puts him above 15 and a half steals plus home runs um i agree with you i would say in a perfect world we see cruz with around 30 home runs and 25 steals. If that's the case, I would say that his season was a success. And yeah, I agree. All right. I think this is your last question coming up here. It is. And I have one that might make you laugh, might make people pissed off, but I don't care. My last question, off-field issues aside, when the dust settles, should the Pirates even consider signing Trevor Bauer to bolster the rotation. He will only cost $720,000, which that is like absolute bonkers for Bob Nutting. Should they even? Oh my gosh. That's like asking, should I sell my soul to the devil? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Part of me does think about it a little bit, just because as we know, maybe I'm a shitty person, but as we know, Bauer is, I mean, he's a, he's an elite starting pitcher when all is right, but I don't know. I don't think it's worth it. I'm going to say no. Um, And I don't think he would want to even sign with the pirates anyway. I guess who knows what team will do that. Whatever team does sign him, there will be, (laughs) there will be a storm of just attention, negative attention all over it. Um, as far as the pirates are concerned, I don't think, I just don't think it's worth it. They're, they're not good. It's not like they're a Trevor Bauer away from being good. If you wanted to, you know, do that, if you didn't care about his off field terribleness, which you look at some of the stuff he was accused of, not great, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it. And even if the pirates were close, the angel on my shoulder outweighs the devil, so I, I don't want Trevor Bauer. I must remind everybody listening that this is off-field issues aside. You look at the player alone in Trevor Bauer, he still pitches, as Nate said, on an elite level. I I want to play devil's advocate here. And you know what? Screw it. I will. <laughs> Literally. I, I will. I will absolutely play devil's advocate. Off-field issues aside, if you're looking just at the baseball player alone, and if you're a team like the Pirates and you need a real catalyst in the rotation, get Trevor Bauer, especially if he can only sign at $720,000. <laughs> now, the human part of me, the least likely part of me to be a complete asshole, no, don't sign him. Obviously. Obvious reasons to PR nightmare. The Pirates already get crapped on enough. There's no reason to keep adding to it. But if you are looking at the baseball player alone and you look at the videos that he's posting of his offseason workouts, I mean, how could you not want to sign him for $720,000, even if you do ship him off? Like, you didn't spend him too much, and it's probably going to net you a pretty big haul. If not, you have a great starting pitcher right there. But, 
yes, as a human, don't even touch Trevor Bauer with a 10 foot pole because then he might just out oust you on Twitter. And I don't, I don't know, but yeah, that's, I, I figured we'd bring a little controversy into this because we did so on my other podcast and I wanted to get your thoughts on what the pirates should possibly do with him. But yeah, count me, you know, consider me an, an ass, but I had to ask that. <laughs> should we name the podcast episode? Should the Pirates sign Trevor Bauer? Oh my God. I hate to see the comment section on Bucks dugout with that. <laughs> I will say this though, like strictly baseball speaking, we, we kind of saw, I, I know it's a different sport, but Trevor Bauer hasn't pitched in over a year and I'm not sure. I don't, I think his suspension is served out. He might have to sit an additional 50 games or something. I'm not exactly sure, but you know, looking over at football, Deshaun Watson signed with the Browns and he had not played quarterback in over a year. Obviously, like I said, the sports are different, but he kind of sucked. And I, who's to say that Trevor Bauer won't suck when he comes back? I don't know. So, you know, off the field aside, he might just be rusty. And I guess we'll see. We'll see if the team takes a chance on him. I'm very interested to see if that happens, but I personally, I'm not, I'm not desperate enough to want to see Trevor Bauer pitch for the pirates. Could you see though, Ben Charrington pulling the pulling the trigger on that <laughs> with all the backlash that he's faced already, the headlines right now, I could see a Jeff Passon tweet saying breaking, Trevor Bauer in agreement with the Pittsburgh Pirates on a one-year contract. They'll pay him $720,000 and holy hell, Twitter will crash. I, well, uh, God, I don't, yeah, that would be, that'd be awful. <laughs> that, would be bonkers. that would be bonkers. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie though. A part of me would be like, Ooh, interesting. But, uh, you'd have that little, you'd have that optimistic side of you that uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but like, you're just like God, I don't want to voice my opinion in a positive way, but God damn, this is exciting. What can he bring to the rotation? But then you remember all the, all you remember all the oh, off field stuff and you go, Oh, now I'm sad. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that, I mean, that's not a terrible question. I'm glad you asked it and whatever. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him, but yeah, I wouldn't do it. And it's I don't even know I don't even know what to say but yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right broke your brain my last question here is pretty simple which call up in 2023 will have the biggest impact on the pirates there's a ton to choose from because a big crop will be coming up Big crop will be coming up, but I am very, very, very high on Andy Rodriguez. I mean, I, I'd like to meet a Pirates fan who is not completely sold on him already. And, you know, it, it's going to be O'Neill Cruz 2.0. Everybody's just going to be, you know, when the Pirates lose, they're going to be bashing the, <laughs> the social media manager saying, if Andy was up, we'd win. If they win, they said it could have been a lot better if Andy was up. Like, yeah, that's what I foresee. I'm high on Andy. I love seeing what I saw in, in, um, all the videos on social media, the guy is just an all around five tool star. Uh, so he's the one that I'm going to be anxious. Yeah, that's a solid pick. And I'm just going to go through the list here of guys that could be called up in 2023. There's obviously Andy Rodriguez, like you mentioned, Henry Davis, Quinn Priester, Leover Paguero, Nick Gonzalez, Mike Burroughs, um, maybe even like a Malcolm Nunez. We'll see maybe a Kyle Nicholas out of the bullpen, but I'm going to, I'll go with a different answer here. And his stock has been, it's been kind of down lately, but I think Nick Gonzalez has a chance to come up this season and just start hitting immediately. And, you know, you look at the middle infield, it'll be Rodolfo Castro to start the season. I would assume, but if Gonzalez gets called up, you know, fairly early in the year, put him at second base, shift Castro into one of the corner outfield spots. Looking at his numbers, Gonzalez had a pretty down year in double A, you could say, but he still walks like crazy. The swing and miss is his biggest issue. He strikes out a pretty decent amount, but the dude just hits when he makes contact. He has a great eye. Maybe he could come up, hit out, 
10 home runs, get a whole bunch of doubles and just slot right in probably the bottom of the lineup. But I don't know. I, I think Nick Gonzalez, I'm not ready to sell my Nick Gonzalez stock quite yet. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not ready to sell my stock on him either. But man, I I don't know how you can favor any other prospect other than Andy Rodriguez right now like that. I agree completely. I just wanted to give a different answer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I get that. And I, I kind of figured that's what you were trying to do because I feel like everybody's main answer is Rodriguez. So, but yeah, I think with his down year last year, I think it might have just been a fluke. I feel like Nick Gonzalez will have a much better year this year, especially if he just tries to calm down at the plate a little bit, try to focus on drawing walks instead of swinging and missing all the time. Um, he, he's a really good player. And, I mean, we saw that with Greensboro. We saw it in his first stint with Altoona. So I, I'm excited to see him. And I, I want to just throw another name out there, Mike Burrows, whenever he finally comes up. I mean, the guy yep. caught me by surprise last year with how well he did so. I feel like he's the sky's the limit for him, and I can't wait to see him in a pirate. I agree 100%. All right, that that does it for our 10 burning pirates questions. Jake, is there anything else you want to touch on before we say goodbye? Yep, just uh, announced today. First workout for the Pirates, pitchers and catchers, February 15th. And the full squad goes to Bradenton on February 20th. And I'm excited. That means that baseball season is a little over. Heck yes, I cannot wait. Uh, This winter hasn't been like super slow yet, I will say. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get that baseball itch back and... Just get me to February, which then I could say get me to March, which then I can say get me to April. Uh, One final thing. The Pirates did sign that international free agent pitcher who's 18. What was his name again? John. It was Uh, like Yun Sok Shim, I believe is what it says or what it's how it's pronounced. Yeah. The Pirates did sign him, right? It was announced. Um, they're they're having talks with him, but nobody uh, teams can't sign international free agents until um, Sunday, I believe, the fifteenth. So yeah, they're they're heavy favorites, but yeah, the eighteen year old um, who can touch a hundred on his fastball, it looks like the Pirates will more than likely be signing him, which is pretty solid. All right, Jake, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Twitter. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And of course, follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. We'll be back next week. Perhaps Trevor Bauer will have a home. Perhaps not. Perhaps we're going to look like idiots for bringing it up. But uh, whatever. Yeah, who cares? It's what we do here. We make ourselves look like idiots. Just kidding. We we try to be the most educational sort. Yeah, we're just doing our best. So, all right, Jake, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you as always. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. Peace out.